All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to the Daily Face-Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. It is Thursday, January 20th, and this is the Daily Face-Off Show. Talia Remchuk and Mike McKenna with you. We are locked. We are loaded. It's 30 minutes of straight hockey talk coming your way. Mike, how's it going, man? Man, it's good. Sun's shining. I got props today. I know it's a giveaway. I just, I just should maybe I should have said that, but I don't know, man. When I when I get something that's a little bit special that I can go for, makes me excited. So let's get the show going. Let's get the show going. Let's throw two minutes and thirty seconds up on the clock and see what kind of props Mister McKenna has. Don't think you'll have one for this first segment, but the Toronto Maple Leafs maybe a bit of a troubling trend coming out of the center of the hockey universe. They gave up five unanswered in their loss to the Rangers last night. This is the third time in the last month where the Leafs have blown a 3-1 lead. This one at the hands of the Rangers, but Colorado and Vegas before that. Before we give our take on this, Mike, let's listen back and hear what Leafs head coach Sheldon Keith had to say after the game. It's hard to, to talk about patterns other than the obvious in that we've been giving up leads, but I just thought we got exposed today for being a team that was just soft soft and purposeless and just kind of playing the game and just hoping it was going to work out. But, uh, you know, we were missing important people tonight um, on defense in particular. So our team game had to be very, very solid and purposeful and try to make life easier for our defensemen and our goaltender. And, and uh, we didn't do that nearly enough, you know. Soft and purposeless. Mm-hmm. Those are some Pretty strong comments from Leafs head coach Sheldon Keefe. Mike, is is there a problem brewing in Toronto with their inability to hold on to these leads? 
Well, it seems like it. I mean, four out of the last five, they've been up three to one and managed to give that lead away. And the key takeaway, I think, for that was not just that he said it was purposeless. It was that Sheldon Keefe really identified that, hey, we are missing players, but we needed to play a strong team game. He didn't blame the players being out of the lineup. You could look at that as an excuse. And I don't think it was. I think it was just him saying that we needed to have much more attention to detail on how we played. And that did not come across last night. Uh, And they're in the middle of a road trip. They've been away from home. And I almost wonder for the Maple Leafs how much of a factor it is walking into these loud buildings with tons of energy when they haven't had that playing in Toronto recently. I mean, the Rangers took over that game last night and you could just sense like the emotion of it seemed like it was too much for the Leafs to handle. They were. They were so soft in front of their own net. And that's where the biggest problems came in is that, you know, Jack Campbell all year has been able to perform on high danger chances and, and medium danger chances that are rushes. And when he gets a clean look from in tight, when the puck's pinballing around in front and your D don't take anybody there, you're in trouble. And that's what Jack Campbell saw. So it's amazing. They practiced that for two days in front of the net, trying to be as tough as they could. It didn't happen. They got out hit big time, 31 to 12 in MSG. Uh, and a lot of it, I think, had to do with that, again, the crowd and Ryan Reeves at fourth line. They were so heavy that they put the Leafs on their heels and they weren't ever to get it, able to get it going. And just jerking was just flat out incredible after that first period. That was the difference in the game. Yeah, it was. And Ryan Reeves, what a story that was. Potting two and having two a great Geno's, baby. interview with Minty <laughs> as well. Uh, for me, like you mentioned, soft in front of their own net. I get they're missing Muzzin. They're missing Hall. Missing Hall. But if I'm Kyle Dubas and I'm watching that, I'm going, hey, I got my mm-hmm. first and second round picks this year and next year at the deadline. I need to go get this team another defenseman. That's got to be I priority agree. number one for the Leafs. Uh, next up for them, Saturday, they are taking on the New York Islanders. Uh, new schedule, though, dropped yesterday. We speculated on it a little bit yesterday on the show. Dropped a little or a couple hours after that. 95 games have been scheduled during what would have been the original All-Star break. Uh, In total, 121 games have either been scheduled or had their times changed as well. Mike, it's going to be a busy, busy stretch of hockey. This, combined with the fact that we now know or we believe asymptomatic players aren't going to have to be tested or likely won't have to be tested, you like the NHL's chances of staying on this target of April 29th being the end date? Oh, it's much better now. I think that without changing the regulations to COVID and 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 starting to not test asymptomatic players, you know, only testing symptomatic players, I should say, uh, that should be a game changer. And considering how many players have already had COVID and have a 90-day window that they don't have to test, it's really a clear runway. And I think it's an achievable goal now. You look at the Olympic break, there was two weeks worth of time for the NHL to, build, to be able to backfill these games. And well, let's make, make no mistake about it, most of these are from Canadian teams that have caused uh, a lot of the turmoil. So, you know, for some teams... Take, you know, take Boston and Carolina. I mean, they're going to be making up games. They've missed games due to their own outbreaks, American teams. uh, But like Vegas only has five games to play during that time frame. So I think it's going to be a big variety of what happens during this, like teams that are banged up that have injuries. It's going to be valuable because they're not playing as much. But you think of a team like Carolina that's got five games in hand and they're already doing really well in the standings like this could vault them even further. But you do wonder, how about those teams like a Calgary and an Edmonton that are sitting down in the standings purely due to games played at this point? How do they vault during this? Can they catch fire? Can they carry that momentum through March and April if they play well during these games? It's going to be tough. Tyler, there's a back-to-back games for a lot of these teams. Uh, It's going to be a busy schedule. So I'm, I'm interested to see how it plays out. I think it could go either way. Banged up teams get bodies back and it helps them. They're healthy. They're rested. 
But then you can also come out of this with some momentum and some juice if you really get things going. Back-to-back games. I wanted to ask you specifically about that because, I mean, we always make a big fuss out of it in the media. Mm -hmm. Me being a betting guy as well, I see a team that's on the (laughs) second night of back-to-backs and I'm targeting them. I'm hammering the other team. But we saw earlier this week, you know, Montreal came out on the second of back-to-backs and they beat Dallas. Uh, In the media, do we make too big of a deal out of back-to-back games or is that really something that can wear on a team? I think I think a lot of times, yes. I mean, if the travel's big from city to city, it can be. But in today's day and age, man, you get on the charter, you have your fill at Mignon after the game, and you just go and play. I think mostly it's centered around goaltenders thinking they can't play two games in a row. Well, a lot of us came from the old American Hockey League where you had to play three and threes. These players know how to handle it. So I, I'm sure that it factors in, but it's a lot less than we think sometimes. The old AHL three and three. I was going to ask you that as well. If you ever three had to and two and a half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on here, as you can see, at Bmarsh sixty three versus at Canes, we got a social media beef on our hands in the NHL, Mike. And it started with this. You know, Trocheck gets compared to Marchand. He does the rat thing. Marchand has the post on Instagram with the caption. This is like comparing a Lambo to a Prius. And then they take it to the ice, and Trocheck gets a pretty good lick. In on Marchand here and the Canes Twitter as they do responding appropriately in the moment. <laughs> then after the game, this this is the best one for me. L stands for Lamborghini. Hilarious. Marchand, though, with the shot back. You're the reason we pay 20% in escrow. Uh, <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Is, is it cool or cocky, though, Mike, the way the way Marchand's been handling things on social media? Oh, it's both. It's awesome. I love it. I'm so here for it. Like every sport needs a villain. And let's be honest, both of the parties involved here have been total villains. The way the Carolina Hurricanes trolled the Montreal Canadiens endlessly and the way Marshawn is now using his social media to snipe at people. And I love it because he brings the receipts. You know, like he knows Vincent Trocek's a, a really good hockey player. Okay. He's he's ca- casting shade at him, calling him a Prius. He'd love to have him on his team. He's a goal scorer who can play the game. He's a nice dude, all that stuff. And I think that it's just in the fun of it. And people within the sport know what Brad Marchand's like away from everything that we see in here. Like, yeah, he chirps. He's good at it, but he's got a rep within the game of being actually a really you know good teammate, good person to be around. You hear stories of it. And uh, I just think it's amazing because you, you just you need a villain. Like, And I love that Marchand was willing to speak his mind. I don't always agree with him, but we need more of that. And he can back it up. Like Tyler, the past decade in the NHL, there's only three players that have scored more goals than Brad Marchant. Alexander Ovechkin, Steven Stamkos, John Tavares. That is it. At this stage of the game with the money that Marchant's made and the way he's still playing on a team that can still contend for the Stanley Cup, he's like Big Earn and Kingpin. He's finally above the law. Somebody get him a bowling ball with a rose embedded in it. And I see, and I like that comparison as well, that maybe he feels he's a little above the law because his reputation over the last decade has just been, you know, he's a rat. He gets under people's skin. And I feel like he's now taking that and going, I can get away with way more than anyone else because my reputation, can it really get any worse? And I love his reputation as sort of that heel. And he even speaks up about other things as well. Remember a couple months ago mm-hmm. when he sent out the tweet in the Instagram post about how irritated he was with the Olympic decision. And that certainly yep. sparked a conversation as well. So I, I like that he's outspoken. I, there's definitely a role for that in the game. And like you said, I, I think we can honestly use a little bit more, uh, more personality like that because it gets fans talk and it gets people laughing. Kane's and their Prius will go up against the Lamborghini Marchand again on February 10th for the rematch. So certainly something to keep an eye on there. Tonight, though, one game on the schedule that caught my attention, 
The Jets are taking on the Preds. And these are two teams who, again, this goes back to the games in hand conversation. But the Jets are 11 points back of the Preds with six games in hand. And that points percentage gap, that's going to get real slim. If Winnipeg wins tonight in regulation, Nashville would be down to about 601. Winnipeg would be up to about 588. Listen, both these teams could certainly get into the playoffs if five from the Central end up making it. But these are two groups that are going to be neck and neck for the rest of the year. It's a big game tonight. They're both 5-3-2 in their last 10. The Jets are a little banged up, though. No Wheeler, no Ehlers. But, Mike, when you look mm-hmm. at these two teams, the way they've kind of trended as we get close to the halfway point of the season, you think the Jets have what it takes to turn on the Jets and catch the Preds at some point? Well, I'm not sure about catching the Preds, but it's definitely what you need to aim for because uh, you want to grab one of the top three spots in the Central if you possibly can. And I keep waiting for the Winnipeg Jets to really rattle off some wins in a row because I think their lineup is solid. And I was kind of like Paul Maurice, who he said, I've had enough, man. I'm out. I can't push this team anymore. I, I've been in the same boat analyzing the Jets, thinking that why can't they just get over that hump? You know, they've they've got a good goaltender. They, they've got a great lineup, I think. I mean, yes, Wheeler's been out. They've been missing their captain for a while, but I, I, I still think that something's there. And they've been hovering the whole season. You know, it's so close in that conference in the Central and the West in general. You know, you're going to have Calgary, Winnipeg, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose. All those teams are fighting for a wild card spot. But it really starts tonight in a game like this for the Jets. And I, I when I watch this one tonight, two things I'm looking for. I think this is a this is a battle to stay out of the box because both of these teams are strong on the power play. Winnipeg's 12th. I think Nashville's top five. Really good on the power play. Uh, and, and it's just a goaltending battle that I love to see. You got UC Soros, who's contending for a Vezina this season. Connor Hellebuck, who's previously won one and I think is still looking for that next level in his game this year. So uh, a lot of things to keep your eye on. But a win for the Jets in this game would go a long way, especially going into those games that are going to be made up during the Olymp- what was going to be the Olympic pause. Yeah. And you mentioned the two goaltenders. And that's the thing for me, like the Jets, I think right now with guys like Ehlers and Wheeler out of the lineup, they need Hellebuck to be their best player. He's allowed 16 goals in his last five starts. That's not Connor Hellebuck like numbers. And you Mm -hmm. mentioned UC Soros, who is in that Vesna conversation. Well, his play slipped off a little bit recently as well. 18 goals against in his last five starts. So each of these teams looking for the man between the pipes to bounce back a little bit tonight should be a good one as the Jets take on the Preds. Let's keep moving, though. Let's get to our big segment of the day. It's another edition of Ask Peelzy. Always a pleasure to have our man Tim Peel on the show, the former NHL referee. Tim, we got a couple of plays we want to get your take on. I'm going to start with one that we saw a couple of nights ago between the Sabres and the Senators, where There was a massive scrum by the bench and the play kept going on, even though, I mean, I I can't count this quickly, but I think there was seven players even in that scrum. The play goes on. Mark Jankowski scores and Senators fans are sitting there going, why wasn't this play blown dead? Take us through maybe what the protocol is and what officials are taught to blow dead and not blow dead in a scenario like this. Yeah, Tyler, it's a great question. It's uh, as you guys know, I support the refs maybe to a fault sometimes, but for doing it for 23 years, I understand how difficult a job it is. In this situation, I remember when I was a referee and you had really, really good linesmen, Brian Murphy, Derek Amell, Scott Driscoll, that these these top linesmen that were in the league, because the benches are in such pro- close proximity to each other, there was always 
instances where players would get into a little skirmish and the good linesmen would uh, get in there, break it up so that the play could, could continue. In, in those instances, it was usually one, two, maybe three players. As much as I would like to support the refs on this call, as you can see in the clip, there's actually eight players there. There's four from each team. At that point in time, we need to blow the play dead. And subsequently, Buffalo gets a breakaway on the play because of all the players being, being between the penalty boxes. So in this instance here, this is an, an opportunity for the, the referees to blow the play dead, say we're going to reset here, take the face off wherever we're going to take it, but we can't let play continue. Well, we had another incident the other evening, Tim, where uh, it was Jordan Greenway attacking the net against Darcy Kemper, the Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, we spoke about this. I did in my garbage time on Tuesday about how I thought this is the type of hit that's dangerous for goaltenders because they can't see it coming. They're in their crease where we're just very vulnerable to it. And like Greenway puts his head down. He knows he's going to make contact with Kemper. And he's ultimately assessed a two minute for minor for interference. And I'm wondering why in this case. It could be a two-minute hit to the head or even a five with intent to injure. So what one would have caused the interference call? And two, are you surprised that there wasn't any supplementary discipline or even a look from the NHL safety department for this one? Yeah, I, I, I am, Mike. And I don't have a problem with the call on the ice. And the reason being is the referees aren't focused on that area. The puck's not mm. there. They're looking, they're looking to, you know, in other areas of the rink that really isn't a hot spot where the referees should be focusing on. Uh, so I don't have a problem with the two-minute penalty, but I am surprised, and the Department of Player Safety, as we know, they have an extremely difficult job. And this isn't being politically correct here, but you're going to make one fan base happy. The other fan base is not going to be unhappy if you suspend or decide not to suspend the player. I am a little surprised that Greenway didn't at least get a fine on this situation. Maybe a suspension would have been worthy, a one or two game suspension, because we don't want to set the precedent that goalies are fair game. And he, Greenway wasn't shoved into the crease. He went in there on his own. We have to protect the goalies. Maybe a fine sends a bit of a message throughout the league. Hey, you can't go near the crease. You can't go, uh, you know, be, be hitting goaltenders because Kemper was pulled out of the game, whether it was by his trainer or the concussion protocol spotter. So obviously there was contact to the head. But like I said, I don't have a problem with the minor penalty. Let the Department of Player Safety deal with it after. Tim, a bit of a lighthearted one. I put out a call yesterday on Twitter for people to send in some questions. And one of the ones we got is a listener wanted to know, what was the easiest minor penalty for you to call and kind of tell right away, like, bang, that's a penalty. And what was the most difficult minor penalty for you to call in your career? What was one where it was always tough to get a good read on what actually happened? Well, the easiest penalty, I guess, would, would be a tripping penalty. You know, you always wanted to call what you never wanted to make a call in the NHL that all 10 or 12 players on the ice are looking around going, where's the call? You want to make a call that the players know and everybody in the building knows that's what the penalty is. As far as the most difficult call is, whether it's a minor or a major penalty, I really think is is the hits to the head because it's easy, easy for us to sit here and watch the replay. But in real time, when we, these officials are watching it in real time, did he get him in the shoulder first before he made contact to the head? 
those hits happen quick. You've got to have a great sight line. Those would be the most difficult penalties to call and high sticking penalties because you physically cannot catch the stick goes up so quick. You phys- you cannot see that the stick hit his face. You know, the stick went up there, but it happened so quickly that you most of the time do not really see the stick hit his head, hit his face. You're, you're, basing your call on the reaction of the player and you're trusting the player. I was going to say you're trusting the player and I'm sure the ones who get the stick up high, they're always real honest about when they snap yeah. that head all the way back. <laughs> most, most Why would we ever are. trust the players? Most, <laughs> most of them are. But you know what? One thing I would like to bring up, Tyler, and, and Mike alluded to it a few minutes ago when I was listening to you was Brad Marchand. And Brad Marchand, as you know, Mike liked to say, uh, you know, every everybody needs a villain. But he also alluded to the fact what a good person uh, Brad is. And I don't know if you saw Kevin Hayes. He sent out a tweet the other day, and it was about Marshy, how he's been over to Jimmy's Mm -hmm. family's house playing uh, road hockey with his boy, um, really being there for the Jimmy Hayes family in a difficult time. That's the type of player Brad Marchand is or the type of person he is. And there's not a fan base or a team in the NHL that would not want to have Brad Marchand on his team. Very true. But I thought it was important to say because he is such a tremendous person and he backs it up on the ice too. Great, That's a great story there, PLG. Absolutely. Yeah, lo- love that you brought that up. Uh, as always, we appreciate the insight, Tim, and we'll talk to you in a few weeks again. Sounds good, boys. Thank you. Have a good show. Thank you. All right, let's get to our inbox question here, Mike. And a bit of a viral moment out of the Alberta Junior Hockey League the other day. Tristan Martin, he's not the first goalie in the league's history to score a goal or be credited with a goal, but he is the first goalie in the league's history to actually get a goal by shooting it in the net himself and not just you know getting credit for one when the other team scored on themselves. Tristan Martin scored a goal. My question to you, I can see the jersey getting ready. Closest you uh-huh. ever came to scoring a goal in your career. You just hang with me here for one second, folks. Here it comes. You ready? Look at this here. This here is the Springfield Junior Blues of the North American Hockey League. Look at that, folks. And I'll tell you what, here is the stick right here. And if you read this, I can't really read it. It says first goal in NAHL history. 17 years old. It was the highlight of my life when it happened. And it actually looked a lot like that goaltender's goal where I stopped it behind the net, turned out to the side, shot it up and over everybody all the way down the ice, right down Broadway. And it went. Um, we won't talk about what happened afterwards because there was a 10-minute penalty assessed uh, for the celebration our team went through <laughs> when that puck went in the net. But uh, yeah, man, honestly, God, dude, it was the highlight of my life when it went in. It was unbelievable because I'd idolized Ron Hextall and Marty Brodeur, the way they handled the puck. And it's just super cool. And in, in pro hockey, I came really close. Um, I had probably the best game of my life, ironically, was in the American League playing against the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And I already had one assist on the night. I went 45 for 46 on saves. And they dump one down off to the right of me. And I went, this is it. And I went out, got to the puck. And I went to launch this thing. But I had a player four checking on me really hard right in my way. And I went, man, I got to get some air on this. So I went like 
parabolic high. And when the puck came down, it was kind of like I hit it with a lob wedge. It stuck a little bit. Um, so it ran out of juice, was going to run out of juice by like, you know, top circle or so. But Greg McKaig, who's currently playing with the New York Rangers, picked her up, put it in. I had two assists on the night and went 45 for 46 on saves. Look at that. I love the memory on Mike McKenna here and Tristan Martin. I just love like being able to Mike brag. McKenna. I'm bragging yeah. about a junior and minor league career, but I love it. It's fun memories, I man. Love it. <laughs> uh, and uh, and Tristan Martin doing it in Spruce Grove, which is about 20 minutes west of where I am, doing it in the arena named after Grant Fear as well. So a whole bunch of oh, goaltending cool. connections there as well. Uh, let's get into our daily bets segment. Uh, boy, I would like to have a solid night once in a while here. We barely missed on both of them last night, but it is a busy, busy slate in the NHL. So let's jump right into it, courtesy of our friends over at PointsBet. I got three plays tonight, looking to go three for three. Boy, could I use it, starting with that matchup at the bottom. It's a late game tonight between Vegas and Montreal. Montreal took down the Dallas Stars earlier this week, got 45 saves from Sam Montebo. And you know what? I don't think the Habs are going to ruin another bet for me this week. I like the Golden Knights, and I like them on the puck line. Vegas has been struggling, but on the year, they are such a good team. Top five in five or on even strength shots, four percentage, top 10 in even strength goal, four percentage, according to natural statric. The Habs are in the bottom five, six of the league in both those numbers. This is a better team in Vegas who's struggling as of late, but I like them in a bit of a get right spot here against the Montreal Canadiens. I'm going Vegas on the puck line. And then I'm going to the Pittsburgh-Ottawa matchup. And I'm also taking the Penguins on the puck line. I think the favorites will have a solid night here. It's paying minus 125. The Penguins are on a roll. Six and two so far in January. The Senators coming off a loss to Buffalo. The one thing I'll add here, really want to see a Tristan Jari start before I put any money on this one. So watching for Jari to hopefully be named the confirmed starter at Daily Faceoff. And once that happens... I'm taking the Penguins on the puck line. And then we're going to jump ahead to that Dallas-Buffalo game right on top and go in for a little player prop action. Joe Pavelski, Rachel Dory talked about him yesterday on the show, was one of those 35-plus players who's having a tremendous season. And this guy is plus money to pick up an assist in this matchup. Plus 115 is the payout. He has six apples in his last five games, and he's picked up at least one in seven of the last 10. That seven of the last 10 number is usually what I like to go with if we're getting a player in plus money like this. I think Pavelski can find the back of the net gravy matchup with the stars taking on the Sabres as well. So those are your three plays here tonight. Pavelski assist, Penguins on the puck line, Vegas on the puck line, and Mike has gone through another wardrobe change. I have a feeling this might tie into garbage time. Maybe. Yeah, it does. And you know what? It happens to be that I'm wearing my American Hockey League All-Star jersey uh, from I don't even remember what year it was, but it was a hell of a time. And I've also got my ECHL All-Star jersey. No surprise, there's no NHL All-Star jersey for me. But my garbage time today is that I think that the NHL has to expand rosters for the All-Star game. I can't stand hearing people complain about who's there, who's been snubbed. We've got a participation game like Nathan McKinnon said. And it's like, man, you might as well just tell Jordan Eboli he sucks. Like, tweet at him, he sucks. Like, that's what that does. That's the message it sends. And he doesn't suck. He's been the best player on his team for Seattle. Nick Suzuki, Suzuki's been the best player for Montreal. Every team deserves to have a player there. Every fan base deserves to have somebody to watch, to root for, and to expand those players on the national scale so people get to see them. Just expand the rosters, man. Like, currently, you've got 36 skaters and eight goalies. Goalies are fine. That's plenty of goalies. But... 44 total players in a league that has 700 rostered players. 
I don't see any problem adding two more players per team. That gets you up to 52 total for the entire event. That's still a small percentage of the league. And I think that would really alleviate the problems. You can't have Nazem Kadri sitting fifth in the league and scoring and not at the All-Star game. Steven Stamkos having one of the best years of his career, not at the All-Star game. That shouldn't happen. They got in with the last man uh, voting by the fans. I get that. But I think there's a way to do this to make sure you've got the the best performing, the superstars, stars of the game, along with a representative of every team. It can be accomplished. Just make the lineups a little bigger. No big deal. Beer leaguers have been running players on and off the ice all you could ever imagine. You don't have to have three lines. Just next guy out, send them. Because it's a beer league game anyway, Tyler. Yeah, I don't think any players are going to go to the All-Star game and then you know get off the ice after and go, hey, what the hell? I only played eight minutes tonight. What are we doing here? Yeah. No one's going to complain about having to play less at the All-Star game. Exactly. Like they can't wait to get done and get out of there. And that's, but it's, it's the honor of the all-star game that matters. It is a big deal to players to get the accolades for the season you've had and the work that you've put in. Beautiful. Love it, Mike. And this was an all-star level show, in my opinion, with all the wardrobe changes. I, uh, I'm not sure how you pulled that off. A little like Hollywood action there with, with swapping out the jerseys, putting a new one in the back. I love it. That's going to do it for the January 20th edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. For Mike, for Alex, for Tim, and myself, have a good day and we'll talk again tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up, because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, 
you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.